0: wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to worship, my name is David Flowers. I'm a senior pastor here, if you're visiting with us. And we are continuing an Advent series called Close to Home. In this series, we are exploring the idea of home as it relates to our faith, and particularly to the season and the story of Advent, when we prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus. As we do that together, we quickly notice this already but not yet tension of our faith. We say and we sing this time of year, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet we know that God's promised day, our eternal home is not yet fully realized on the earth. And it won't be until Christ comes again. Thus it names our deep longing for God to come close to us in the waiting and in the preparation. Well, last Sunday we began this series hearing from Jesus in Luke chapter 21 and reflecting on what it means to be homesick. Homesick for a better world, longing for the day when the Lord sets everything right and fully consummates heaven and earth. And this morning we're going to look at the gospel lectionary text for the second Sunday in Advent and reflect on how we can prepare our hearts and make space for God to build his home among us. If you would, grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, the text this morning is Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through 80. We heard earlier, Hannah read a portion of this for us, I'm going to read this in its context. This morning I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you would stand with me in the reading of the scripture. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. You may be seated. When building a home, where do you begin? What is the first thing that you do when building a physical house? Well, you lay the foundation. You know, there are different kinds of foundations. Some of you might be builders in here, contractors, you know this, or maybe you've built your own house, Uh, there are different kinds of foundations. Uh, There are also different kinds of soils. And there are different styled homes. So you might have a basement foundation, you have a slab foundation, pier and beam, there are all kinds of different foundations. But it's important that you build a solid foundation for for the soil that's right for the soil in the context. Foundations are are critical because the whole house will stand or fall on it. A lot of builders of skyscrapers, they know this. They have to dig deep down into the earth and and build things just right, lest there might be uh, some sort of catastrophe in the future. And over the years, some foundations should be reevaluated or repaired. Uh, my in laws live in a, a slab house. They've lived in, I think, for probably over 40 years, maybe close to 50 years at this point. And the slab is cracking. You can see signs of it, uh, uh, signs on the walls, the sheetrock. But there, I, I know specifically when you go into my father-in-law's bathroom, you can feel as you make your way from the sink to the toilet, you are going downhill. <laughs> So foundations need attention. It can be a lot of money to fix a foundation like that. Some of you know this. You know, in the ancient world, uh, new homes, even entire cities might be rebuilt over old foundations. So archeologists, they know this when they're, when they're digging in parts of Israel, that underneath, say when they're doing some new construction, uh, they'll, they'll take the opportunity to dig down deep and see what they might find there from centuries ago. You know, like all of these foundations, the the Bible tells us the story of God. And and in the story of God, God is doing the same thing with his people, building upon a foundation. And in this case, this morning, we're gonna be looking at how God is laying a new foundation here in the gospels in Luke chapter one specifically. We see this happening in our scripture reading today. God preparing a new foundation to deliver his promised blessings. So I want us to think about that this morning, the story of God, the coming of the Messiah, as God laying a new foundation, and specifically through the prophet John the Baptist, and the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and how those foundations are not only important for the larger story of God and what God is doing in the world to bring salvation, to bring heaven to earth, but your own foundations, spiritually. Foundations in your life, personally foundations in your home and the foundation of our church. You know, the miraculous birth of John the Baptist, God is laying the foundation for the blessings of heaven to make his home upon the earth. As we see with Zechariah and Elizabeth, God wants to do the extraordinary through ordinary people. But for that, that to happen, you see, we must believe in his good news. We, we have to believe in the good news and be willing vessels of God's grace. And to do that, we have to receive God's grace in order to be conduits of his blessings to others. We need to be able to see ourselves as part of a larger story of God's love, to understand our part in it and be faithful to be who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do, leaving all the rest to God. You know, with, with the times that we're living in today with so much going on in the world, it's so much feeling like it's being uh, turned over like soil in a garden we're, we're wanting things to be normal or have some sense of normalcy. But it's calling into question many things, isn't it? Things about our faith, things about the church, uh, things about our world. What can we count on? What can we trust? And I keep coming back to this. I, I sense the Lord speaking this to me and I, and I pray that you'll hear him speak this to you, that, that we would focus... Through all of these things that God would give us clarity and focus on what it simply means to be who he's called us to be and to be faithful to that calling and to know the peace that God wants to give us in that and leave the rest to him. Amen? This is all part of laying the foundation for God's home among us as Zechariah and Elizabeth will see, and as John the Baptist will experience. So let's consider the history in the context of our story here in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Then let's open our hearts to the truths and the lessons that we can apply to our own faith journey. So think about the passage in the context of the passage that we've just read. It's been 400 years since a major Old Testament prophet. If you pick up your Bible and you look, the last book in the Old Testament is what? Malachi. Look specifically at Malachi chapter three. We have a promise of one who will come, a prophet of the Most High, who will come and prepare the way of the Lord. Now, this, it is true to say in Christmas time that John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for the Messiah. But if you look at Malachi chapter three, This is God specifically speaking to the prophet Malachi saying the temple is a mess, my people are a mess, but I will send one who will prepare the way for me to come and to indwell my temple. This is God coming and that's made very clear in Malachi chapter three. And so they're expecting God to come though they're not expecting God to come in human flesh. That is the mystery and the wonder and the power of the incarnation, which we remember at Christmas time. And so the Roman empire during this time has occupied Judea for about 60 years. The, the Israelites have been occupied by foreign power And we can see several common elements within this story, within the birth story of John. Think about these Old Testament elements and how they sound and should sound a little bit familiar to you. We have a vision in the temple. We have a heavenly messenger. We have a promise. We have a sign. We have a childless old couple. You can see the bridging together of the Old Testament narrative with the new. And we see that Zechariah is from the priestly tribe of Aaron. And the priestly tribe of Aaron, the different families would have a a time they would spend in the temple and they'd be on a rotation. So it was Zechariah's time to go to the temple and to serve. And that is when God meets him through the angel Gabriel. He unexpectedly meets Gabriel while he's in the holy place doing his priestly duties probably not expecting this. I mean, I imagine that he took his job very seriously. It was a very spiritual, sacred time, but probably not expecting an angel to appear. It throws him off as it would throw anybody off, even in the holy place of the temple. And so Zechariah doesn't believe, at least not right away, he doesn't believe it at first, and his ability to speak is taken away. You know, what's interesting is with the story of John the Baptist being born and then the very next part with the story of Jesus being born, when the angel comes to Zechariah, he doesn't believe. When the angel comes to Mary, she believes. No- notice the difference in the question. How can I be sure of this? Zechariah will say. I mean, I'm an old man. I got an old wife. How can this happen? And with Mary, it's more... of a a question with belief built in. Okay, since this is gonna happen, explain that to me. How are you going to do this? So notice the difference. And this may seem a little harsh and we don't really know exactly what's happening here. I mean, what is Zachariah's official diagnosis? I, I don't know. But it seems that not only has he lost his speech, maybe he's not hearing so well because as we read in our text earlier, they have to sign to him the question that they're asking, what's your son's name going to be? So it's as if Zechariah is made dumb, speechless. He can't hear so well. Things are, are definitely, definitely uncomfortable for Zechariah. He can't talk until after John is born, and then he writes his name down at his circumcision. And so, so consider the significance of this. Imagine what was going on. In Zachariah's heart and mind Between the temple and John's birth it, 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 can you Think about it I mean, what would, you, what would you be dwelling on? What would you be thinking about If you had this experience You didn't really believe the angel You lose your speech and your ability to hear And your, your wife is pregnant She's getting larger and larger The baby is coming What would you be thinking about? What would you be reflecting on? I can imagine that Zechariah is thinking about how he was unbelieving. But he was also reflecting on what it was that God might want to do through this child. What a wonder it is, what a mystery it is. And we see a little of this come out in the text this morning, what what Zechariah must have been thinking, and that Zechariah had even spent some time formulating a lullaby. Don't miss this. We've got two ordinary people, yet who are faithful despite their initial unbelief, Zachariah's unbelief, that is, and God will use them. God will use Zachariah and Elizabeth as God will use Mary and Joseph. And John's name, it was a common name, just not a name that was common to Zachariah's family, specifically means God has been gracious and will be like the prophet Elijah, preparing the way for the Messiah. This is gonna encourage Mary, as we'll see in the story if you keep reading, to believe after she receives her own message from Gabriel. So though unbelieving at first, Zachariah's faith is expressed in his blessing of John. Faith, hope, and love, you see, are necessary, not only for the health and the flourishing of a person, You can imagine what this blessing singing over John through his childhood would have meant to him and what it means to us to have a parent that would do that. But also for God to bless the world and bring his kingdom. God looks for those who will share his heart. They receive his blessings of life and they're they're used by him to do his work. You know, that's what God is looking for. Yeah, I think back when I was reading the story and preparing for this message, I I think back to the story of Moses. Uh, You remember God is is showing his impatience with the people of Israel, and he's, he's ready to judge them. But yet Moses has to remind God as if God doesn't know that he's loving and merciful, like slow to anger and compassionate. You know what I think is going on there is God wants to see if Moses is really in tune with God's heart, and I think that that's part of the message for us this morning. God is looking for people who will recognize what His heart is really like, that we worship a God that looks like Jesus and be willing to embody that God to others. So Zechariah reveals a grateful, believing heart that recognizes God doesn't just want to bless him and bless Elizabeth in their old age, but he wants to bless the entire world. After all, that was the original covenant with Abraham and what that was all about. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. You know, this is a foundational text. The Lord had said to Abram in Genesis 12, verse one, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I told you that we are a nomadic people. You see this right away with Father Abraham. God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now friends, listen to what the Lord is saying to us through these foundational stories. I wanna bless you and my people so that you might be a blessing, bringing God's love, God's mercy. Did you catch that word several times in the text that we read? Elizabeth recognized that God has been merciful to me. Zechariah recognized that God has been merciful to us, God has been merciful to his people. Do you see that? The mercy of God. That's it. I mean, this is our purpose, that we all have different skills, we have different gifts, we have different personalities, we have different roles to play in this story. Ultimately, we're all being invited to receive the blessings of God and to be a blessing to others. Essentially, we're called to be conduits of God's blessings. You know, like foundations, there are different kinds of conduit. And if you're in construction or you work around the house, you know this. It can be conduit for electrical wires, conduit for water, conduits for lots of different things. And the purpose of a conduit is to get energy, power, right? Or one form of energy and power from one place to the next to share it, to spread it around. Get that image. That's another good metaphor that we are being called to be conduits of God's blessings on the earth. So what does it look like to be a conduit of God's blessings? It is to be his voice, to be his hands, and to be his feet. And God wants you to be a conduit of blessings, not a container of them. Let me say that again. God wants us to be conduits of blessings, not a container of blessings. You see, a container of blessings means that we're being self-centered. It means we're being consumeristic. It's we're saying, well, what are you going to do for me? What is the church going to do for me? How can you make me happy? You know, this is not the attitude of the follower of Christ, that it is certainly not the attitude of one who sees and understands God's heart and has experienced his mercy, has experienced his grace, has experienced his love in their life. You see, my friends, when, when you know that love, when you experience that mercy, as I imagine Zachariah must have been thinking about, it's really true. I can really believe it. God is really good, not just to me and Elizabeth, but he wants to, to spread that goodness around to all of his people and to bless the whole world. And when you get that, and when you understand that and you receive that, that God loves me as I am, not as I should be, because I never will be as I should be. Folks, you want to be a conduit of God's blessings to others. Why is it so important that we do this and how do we do it? Maybe that's the question that we really struggle with, how how do I do that? Well, listen to what Henry Nouwen wrote in his book, Life of the Beloved, I just love this. He says, to give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation that we can offer. It is more than a word of praise or appreciation. It is more than pointing out someone's talents or good deeds. We, we get that, don't we? I mean, I hope that you appreciate me for more than just my sermons or what I can do for you. And don't you hope and wish that people would appreciate you for more than what you can do for them? That that's your value? Right. And this is what now one is saying it's, it's about more than talents. It's about more than good deeds and what you can do. It is more than putting someone in the light. You see, to give a blessing now instead is to affirm, to say yes to a person's belovedness. It makes me think of the passage of Scripture where Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism. And what does he hear? The voice of the Father. This is my Son, my beloved, the one in whom I am well Pleased, and that's before Jesus has done anything. Do you realize this, church? Before you and I do anything, we too are His beloved. Now it says this is what it means to give a blessing to give a blessing is to affirm, to say yes to a person's belovedness, and more than that, to give a blessing creates the reality of which it speaks. We can think back into our lives. Maybe especially in our early childhood, whether it's a parent or an uncle or a friend or a teacher or someone who spoke blessings into our life and spoke that into reality. But we can also think about those who spoke curses into our life and the reality which that makes. We all understand that, we get that. But now it says, there is a lot of mutual admiration in the world, just as there's a lot of mutual condemnation. But a blessing goes beyond the distinction between admiration or condemnation, between virtues or vices, between the good things that you do or the bad things you do. A blessing touches the original goodness of the other and calls forth his or her belovedness. How you experience that? I mean, think about someone who just really annoys you just really gets under your skin. It's just really someone that you have a hard time trusting and loving. Do you know how to get to the belovedness? It is to understand your own. You know, th- that's what I have found, that usually, usually, I have the most difficult time loving those folks because I've not truly understand my own belovedness. I've not truly understood God's grace and his mercy for me. You said, because the greatest of sinners can be the greatest of lovers. Do you understand that? But you have to recognize that and come to terms with that. This is the invitation for us this morning if we're gonna be conduits of blessings. You like Zachariah's faith and blessing. How, or or better yet, who do you need to bless? And what might be some things that you need to recognize are going on in your own life and your lack of recognizing your own belovedness, the things that are keeping you from being able to be a blessing to others. Remember what in Proverbs 16, 24 says. It says, gracious words are a honeycomb. Right? They're sweet, sweet to the soul, the proverb says, and it's, it's healing to the bones. But we know that that's not what we're always about, is it? Don't forget what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in his epistle of wisdom. He said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. You see, no, rather we, we ought to acknowledge and call forth the belovedness of all those within our sphere of influence. We can only do that when we experience God's favor for ourselves and as we work out our faith as disciples. You see, church, when we allow a a buildup of of sin in our lives and, and when those things go unchecked, this is what happens. Take a look at this picture. I know it's not a pleasant sight. Look at that pipe that's filled with junk. You see, like this pipe, our soul, which is designed to be a conduit of God's blessings, gets clogged up. This is what sin does for us. So so, so ask yourself, what's the junk in my life that clogs up the conduit of God's blessings? Why is it that I that I, I complain and gripe more than I should, I gossip more than I should, I curse people more than I should, that I, that I think bad things about people more than I should, that I can't trust people, that I'm cynical, whatever, whatever it is, it's our sin, or anger, our cynicism, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our unwillingness, or maybe just our lack of being intentional with the healing of our wounds. What is it? It's maybe it's our refusal to say I was wrong, I'm sorry, I need help can even be a failure to personally receive the mercy and grace of God for ourselves so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves, this is what it does to our soul. This is what it does to the soul which is designed to be a conduit of blessings. Why can't I be more of a conduit of blessing? Well, I need to think about the things that clog up the line. Why is that person cursing me? Why is that person not being a blessing to me? Well, there's stuff in their life clogging up the line. What's the junk in our lives? And what do we do about it? How do we break up the junk? Is there like a spiritual Drano How do we break this stuff up, clear out the lines so that we can receive our own belovedness, understand it, and be a blessing to others? Well, here's how. Here's how we do that. And we see this in the story of Luke chapter one this morning, by choosing faith over unbelief, hope over cynicism and and despair, and love over fear. Let me say that again. Here's here's the spiritual Drano for us. By choosing faith over unbelief, it's a choice. Hope over cynicism, it's a choice. And love over fear, it's a choice. You see, the Spirit then is able by our choosing to partner with God to unclog the conduit that is our heart and our soul so that we might receive the blessings of God. OUR OWN BELOVEDNESS AND THEN BE A BLESSING TO OTHERS. CHURCH, WHO DOESN'T WANT THIS? WHO DOESN'T NEED THAT? WE ALL WANT IT. AND THIS IS THE GOOD NEWS. THIS IS THE GOOD NEWS. This is what we mean by repenting. Now, that's why Jesus said this at the beginning of his ministry and he's still saying this to us today. Mark chapter one, verse 15, he said, the time promised by God has come at last. You see, this is what John the Baptist is gonna grow up and do. And he's gonna grow up and say, repent, prepare your hearts for the kingdom of God. Recognize that the pipe, recognize that the conduit of your soul it's clogged up, it's fettered, it's junked up, it's full of cynicism, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, finger pointing, blame, shame, whatever it is. And because of that, you yourself can't receive the blessings of God, much less give those blessings to others. You can't receive what God wants to give you unless you repent. This is why Jesus says this, and this is why it's good news. Yeah, at first it's a little bit of a sting in it because it says I have to look in the mirror. It says I have to stop looking over there and pointing fingers there and, and look at myself. But if you can get to that point and you can look in that mirror and, and you, can, you can reflect upon your own soul and the conduit that is your heart, Jesus says the kingdom of God will be seen by you. The kingdom of God has come and is coming. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. There's not a a more fitting time to do this, my friends, than in Advent as we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord, as we prepare our hearts for more of the kingdom, for God to meet us in our darkness, and shine light into our souls. Finally, here are a few questions for reflection and response. As I read these aloud, I want you to think about how the Spirit is speaking to you through what we've read today, what we've looked at. Number one, where is there unbelief and sin in your heart? Like that moment from the holy place to the birth of John. What might God want to say to you this morning and reveal to you? How might he want to take your unbelief and create a lullaby? Think about that. Number two, do you need to give attention to the foundations in your life? Are you like Zechariah speaking blessings over your children? Blessings over your parents? Blessings over your grandchildren? Blessings over, over your co-workers? Over the church staff? Over your friends? Over your enemies? And Paul, you know, said that in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, I believe you've got that in your bulletin. He says, we are cursed, but we bless." This is the kind of people that we are. We know in that we receive a greater blessing. So what, what is it? Which, which foundation might you need to give attention to in your life? And then lastly, how is God inviting you to be a vessel of his grace and a conduit of blessings to others who need it this Advent? And may we help others see that the gospel is alive The gospel is powerful, the gospel still changes hearts. That when the Spirit speaks to us this morning, that it might prompt us to actually pick up the phone or see a person face to face and repent of the curses and speak blessings. Maybe the Lord would speak to your heart about that, that we would show the world that people can change. Christmas time is about the belief that we can change through the power of Christ and through the message of the love of God's Son. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we want to give attention to the foundations this morning. The foundations of our home, of our workplace, of our friendships, of our relationships. We want to give attention to the foundations of our church and ask that in the cement of that foundation, we would find faith, hope, and love. God that from that foundation you would build a house of mercy. Strong walls, a strong roof, so that it might be a refuge for those in need this Christmas. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts now for your servants are listening. Help us to get in tune with our own belovedness. Help us to see it in Jesus' face today. For it's in his name that we pray.